Fueled by the Outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Brought to you by the Elite Outdoors. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Rick Cates. And again, uh, Chris is not with me today because he is actually in Pennsylvania for the second leg of the IBO National Championship, uh, which is the uh, Triple Crown, uh, I guess is what it's called. Um, you know, as we've talked about before, Rick and real great with uh, Remembered Archery stuff. But uh, Chris is up there with uh, the team, and hopefully they do well. Him and Luke uh, will be back next week. And, you know, more than likely we're going to do a recap of all the archery stuff that they've had go on because since we've uh, been doing these conservation tidbits in between when uh, Chris and I can actually get together for a podcast, um, I think it's been almost four weeks since we've actually had one where he and I sat down and prior to this, he went and shot the first leg and they did pretty well. So hopefully um, we're going to be able to get into that a little bit when they get back along with some other you know, fishing and preparing for the upcoming deer season. Uh, when we, when I'm recording this, it's actually uh, July 10th, and um, we didn't have a podcast last week, mainly because of um, Independence Day, family stuff. We all know how that goes as we all get busy when we get older. We all have lots of other things to do and uh, kind of takes away from things sometimes, but we're back this week. But... Um, in missing last week, we actually, um, were able to bring you some news this week. So one of the things that we've been trying to do a little bit more, like I said, is have these conservation podcasts and give you a little bit more information based off of stuff that we feel is important to know about land ethic, hunting ethics, and things like that. And we've been over Aldo Leopold. We've kind of covered Teddy Roosevelt. But we've not really covered anybody recent. And on July 3rd, a man by the name of Jim Posowitz passed away. Now, some of you are going to know who that is. Uh, some of you who are not. So um, it's best, I guess, if I just kind of give a brief bio of a guy who dedicated his entire life to conservation. So Jim Posowitz one of the most respected conservationists who pioneered protections for fish and wildlife uh, and a nationally recognized voice on the ethics of hunting, um, died on July 3rd. He was 85. Jim wrote a book um, that when someone comes to me and says, what do I need to know about ethics surrounding hunting? He wrote kind of the seminal book. And if you've ever been to a recent probably within the past let's see the book came out in 1994 if you've been to a class probably within the past 20 years you may have been told to read the book beyond fair chase beyond fair chase was a collection of stories ethics that jim put out there that to help the new generation of hunter understand that we have to do our best to operate ethically when we're in the field. Now, it's one of only five books he wrote, uh, but it sold more than a million copies, and he actually established Orion, the Hunter's Institute, which is a nonprofit dedicated to ethical hunting and preserving wildlife. It's an important book. To me, it's one of those books that 
you look at and you're like, eh, do I really need to read it? Is it something that I really need to do? And even if you know everything about hunting and everything about the outdoors, and you're going to say, Rick, I've already all heard all this, it's still a good thing to have around. Um, it's a super short book. Um, it's actually uh, only like 112 pages. It fits in the front pocket of your vest when you're when you're out in the woods or in the pocket of your your jumpsuit or you know anything that you're wearing up in the deer stand and you know the important parts of the book go along the lines of helping us establish a reasonable and smart way of taking our uh, hunting lives seriously so, you know, one of the things that we felt was a good thing to do because he really was a titan of conservation is to talk about him a little bit, kind of go over some of the ethics that Jim put out there. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about a giveaway that we're going to have um, regarding some of this stuff as as we're coming up. So if you listen to the end of the podcast, you're going to hear about a giveaway that we're going to be running on our Facebook page, The Elite Outdoors. And it will be involving this podcast as well. So stay tuned until the end and you'll be able to hear that. So it's easy to start with, you know, his conservation ethics and things like that. But you should probably, we should probably give some background on the guy. So um, Jim died in Montana where he lived uh, for, you know, some time. But he was actually born uh, in Wisconsin. Um, also where Aldo Leopold ended up, you know, in his later years. Uh, he made his mark in Montana, though, uh, as a four-star, four-year football star uh, for Montana State, and he was a, a, a left-handed linebacker. He was an MVP of an undefeated Montana State team that actually won a national championship. Uh, he did two years in the Army, and then he returned to MSU to finish his master's degree in fish and wildlife management. Uh, he then went on to have a 32-year career with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, that actually began in 1961. He worked as a fisheries biologist, and he helped gather data that resulted in the cancellation of uh, proposed dams um, in certain areas of the Missouri River and preserving what is now um, in the National Scenic Rivers system. And in 1969, Posowitz was named the administrator of the department's Ecological Services Division. He He headed the International Joint Commission on Addressing uh, water quality in the Flathead River system and help uh, prevent open pit coal mines from going in around uh, the Flathead drainage. Under his leadership, he demonstrated the importance of inflow, in-stream flows for fish and wildlife and how they actually affected the different animals in those systems. In his state role, he constantly worked with Montanans uh, in all walks of life and in the last decade of his uh, fish, wildlife, and parks career, he actually spent as, a, as an assistant uh, to the director of the agency. You know, the guy was a living, breathing conservationist, and he spawned even you know more individuals later on in his life. It literally, um, the CEO of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers knew him from birth, uh, Lantani was actually uh, driven to the hot. He wasn't driven to the hospital. His mother was driven to the hospital by Jim um, so he could be delivered. 
and he grew up um, knowing Jim uh, and through his family. The man, you know, created a major shift in thinking about rivers. Um, it wasn't something that was just going to be sucked dry for economic purposes, as one of his cohorts said. You know, he really thought about how everything was going to affect something for the better of the environment. And in statements made by some of the big names in conservation right now, Tawny being, you know, obviously the biggest one, um, next to guys like Ranella and other individuals who really uh, push conservation, he mentioned our biggest tribute to Jim would be to understand the story of our conservation legacy and fight like hell to pass it on to the next generation, guaranteeing that the lion, that his legacy will still roar. And it's important. You know, we talk on here a lot about passing things on to the next generation of individuals. You know, I've got two young kids, and I know Chris has got two young kids, and, you know, what we want to be able to pass on to them is, you know, a good idea of ethics and allowing them to understand what a healthy relationship with the ecosystem looks like, whether that is, you know, going out for hikes, hunting, fishing, all these different things. So I kind of want to go from there into, you know, his seminal book, Beyond Fair Chase. And Beyond Fair Chase is a very concise uh, guide to understanding the moral, ethics, implications, and consideration of hunting. You know, the book has become the standard text in hunter education, uh, courses nationwide, and Many hunters, including me, consider it required reading. So, you know, he's he's one of those guys where when you look at it, he's he was very clear about what he thought about how to go about things. You know, he broke it down in terms of the place of a hunter and, you know, that today most people in the world do not have the opportunity to be hunters. Chances are they never will. How those of us who live in the United States gain this privilege is important. And we talked about this, you know, with the Great American Outdoors Act. It's important for us to realize where we're going, how we're going about it, and how we're going to achieve these things to help, you know, the future generations in dealing with uh, the things that we need to know as hunters and, and outdoors men and women. So he thought there was five important things to remember as your role as a hunter. And this episode is going to be pretty hunt heavy. So um, hang with me. We'll get to fishing and we'll get into some other stuff later. Uh, first, the opportunity and privilege to hunt is yours by virtue of your citizenship. Second, the animals you hunt are the result of conservation efforts of recreational hunters who stopped the market hunting in commerce and wildlife. We talked about that last time with the Lacey Act and other hunting acts that were put into place so there wasn't market hunting anymore. Third, these early hunters began the restoration and conservation of wildlife that continues today. You know, we had uh, Officer Gilkey on here uh, a while ago, and one of the things that he imparted to us was our dollars that we pay for, um, our dollars we use to pay for our hunting licenses, our tags, our fishing licenses, um, money that you donate to those types of funds goes to fund, you know, the wildlife conservation. So those men and women can do their jobs to help ensure that 
the biology and the ecosystem is healthy enough for us to be able to continue to use it on a yearly and decade and hopefully forever basis. The fourth thing as a hunter he thought you should have is a responsibility for future generations to see the conservation of the animals you hunt. And fifth, you have the responsibility to be a safe and ethical hunter. So that kind of leads to the question is, what is an ethic? Um, an ethic is really a body of moral principles and values that someone has. Uh, ethical pertains to what is right and wrong. And ethics are rules of conduct recognized in respect to a particular group or culture. So you'll, you'll hear me if you're ever around me or Chris or you hear us, you know, um, it'll probably be actually in one of our YouTube episodes. Just because something's legal doesn't mean it's ethical. You know, just because you can go ahead and do something doesn't mean that ethically it's a good idea. You know, sometimes you look at, you know, there's a, a story right now in Louisiana uh, with the speckled trout. Um, you know, great eating fish, by the way, if you ever get the chance to go down there and fish for them. You're allowed 25 a day out of the Gulf. And every day you can go out there, hammer 25, come back in, fillet them, go back out the next day do the exact same thing. The problem with that is is that it's actually, you know, due to how many people go out and do that in tourism and things along those lines is Louisiana fishing game is actually done, you know, their surveys and that kind of stuff and it is being overfished. So ethically as a hunter and fisherman, what do you do? Do you go out and you take your 25 or do you take less so for the next person that there is some so you don't deplete the resource? And when we get into ethics of hunting, you know, we really get into talking about depleting resources. There's only so much to go around. I'm sure you've all heard it before. If everybody hunted, there'd be no animals. You know, literally there wouldn't be. You know, everything would be dead. There's more of us than there is of deer, of antelope, of elk, of bison, all that kind of stuff. You know, reality being is that we're as outdoors people in america we have these abilities to go out and enjoy our public lands and enjoy you know the fruits of conservation that were planted in seeds very long times ago long time ago and it's important to remember this as you go out just because you can take four deer or six deer does that mean that you actually need that does that mean that you actually have to go and you have to you know shoot the first thing that walks by or should you wait you know, one of my favorite lines that Posowitz had was a story about a guide who took out a girl and her father. And it's it, it's really kind of indicative to an important thing that Chris and I talk about quite a bit. And it's, you know, deciding to shoot. When you have an animal sitting in front of you and you're making the decision to you know, take that animal's life to be able to feed yourself and feed your family. It's an important decision because you want to make the best shot possible. You don't want to make a, a shit shot and then have a wounded animal and then, you know, it sets in motion this whole other thing that we'll get into later with wounding. But Posowitz wrote this story about uh, a girl and her father going out with a guide and they come up on a deer and the guide gets her set up. The guy's name, I think, is Harry. He starts saying, you know, shoot. You can see, I can see it, shoot. And, he, and then finally gets, it's like, for heaven's sakes, shoot. And, you know, at the moment, the guide's trying to help his daughter get her first deer 
and put a buck on the meat pole, the hunter didn't shoot and was content with the moment. You know, you'll see us, you know, in the fall, you know, posting videos. You'll see us um, doing a lot of work on food plots, which we hope to have somebody in here talking about here soon. But one important thing is it's okay to not shoot. When we get that thought in our head, like if you go out and hunt, you have to bring something home. Sometimes uh, you end up making bad decisions, bad shots. And ethically, you know, to be a really ethics-based hunter, you want to seriously look at is that the right thing to do? You know, now if you're starving and your family needs the food, you know, I, I understand it. But if, you know, a lot of guys will complain about waiting or, you know... Uh, you'll see guys get made fun of for waiting for next year, things like that. In a lot of cases, that's an okay thing to do. It's okay to wait. It's okay to not, you know, fill a buck tag. It's okay to kill a doe instead of a buck. You know, that's one of the things that I feel is important as somebody who, um, as as I like to say, I've got a trophy hunter mind with a meat with a meat eater mentality. You know, it'd be great to you know shoot bucks that are you know one sixty you know, 170 every year. But if I'm going out there to feed my family, which, you know, we eat primarily venison the entire year, I'm going to take the deer that ethically makes sense for me. And I'm going to make the best shot that I possibly can. And whether that's with a compound bow, whether it's with a crossbow, whether it's with a rifle, whether it's with a shotgun, I want to make sure that I've practiced, I've done my due diligence, I've thought everything through in order to make sure that I've got all these things in place so I don't screw the moment up when it does come. Posowitz, you know, kind of goes on to say that there's a sacred moment in the ethical pursuit of game. It's the moment you release the arrow or touch off the fatal shot as a hunter. You have to, you have made a decision to kill the animal you've pursued. You're confident that that shot will be a good one, and you feel right about taking an animal you respect. You know, part of practicing and being consistent and doing all those things that we all try to do every year, whether it's fishing or if you just shoot archery or if you do mountain biking or rock climbing or anything along those lines, you want to be proficient in what you're doing. You know, in, in hunting, I can speak to that a little bit more. You know, one of the things that gets people kind of riled up is they think that they're going to miss. You know, you, if you're if you're taking a shot and your first thought is, man, I hope I don't miss, that's that that's not good. You know, it's, it is a thought that we all have at some point. But in reality, we want to make sure that when we release that arrow, when we shoot that bullet, when we you know, raise our gun up on that bird that we're putting ourselves in the best possible position to make sure that that animal is going to go down with the least amount of pain or suffering that it, it can possibly have. You know, that that is what we want every single time, an ethical kill on an animal that we respect. And everybody's got a different level of respect for animals. But, you know, in all reality, one of the things that we want to do as ethical outdoors people is make sure that you appreciate the you know the game that you're bringing home there's there's this thought that you'll see it sometimes um, where people will do goofy shit with animals after the after they've died and you know it's disrespecting the fact of what you what you just went out and you did you have this wonderful opportunity 
to show and share, you know, meat and the animal with your friends and family. And if you're going and you're doing something stupid, you know, it, it kind of ruins the moment uh, for a lot of people. And it leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And we've talked about this on this program before with Officer Gilkey, um, with me and Chris, and with other people, is that the best thing you can do is respect the game that you're going after because that's going to be the most important thing. And that's going to be what people remember if you've actually done the things that you need to in order to help yourself you know, be in a good spot when this is all said and done with. So, you know, we're in 2020 right now. And the book that I'm actually holding in my hand, uh, Beyond Fair Chase, has really been out for 26 years. It sold 2 million copies. And, you know, every time someone buys a copy of it, um, a little bit uh, from the proceeds from this book go to preserving and uh, to sustain hunting. Mine is actually a copy from the Maine Department of Inland Fisheries and Wildlife uh, Recreational and Safety Division. I bought it off Amazon for like six bucks, and part of those proceeds still go to to helping preserve things in our wild lands. So Posowitz really developed this book for all of us, and you know, did he know that when this came out, it was going to be what it was, and that we would all you know, kind of have a copy laying around or that someone would say, hey, this is kind of an important thing uh, at, at some time in our lives. And to be quite honest, I hadn't heard of the book until about two or three years ago. And um, I think I was listening to a, a meat eater podcast and they uh, they had mentioned it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to give this a look. And then I listened to more um, where they actually had Jim Poswitz on and the man lived and breathed conservation he described the North American hunter as the hunter conservationist. Um, if we didn't have animals, there wouldn't be hunting. And the fact that there would be few wild animals if there were no hunters is not so not as obvious, is, is one of the things that he said. And there are things everyone should know about the American hunter or conservationist. And I think it's really important for us to look at us, look at ourselves as that. We are all conservationists. You know, we all do have a responsibility to take care of the things that we love for the outdoors. So while it might seem like I've kind of rambled a little bit, the important part that I want you guys to take away from at least this part of the podcast is this. Uh, If you are or you have the ability, as I say every week, to take someone out, it's important to teach ethical stuff to them. They're not going to know. You know, I can remember I was, I think I was like nine when I passed my hunter safety course. And, you know, at nine, do I know all the hunter education ethics? No. Does anybody at nine? Probably not. Reality being, though, is that my dad taught me and showed me what needed to be done in order to be a good steward of the land. You know, we've had people on here who've said it was grandpa or an uncle or something like that. Or directly, they didn't learn until, you know, they got busted by a game warden. Like, the, that's that's reality sometimes. And I don't think we should chastise each other for not knowing something. You see a lot of this stuff online where people chastise somebody for not knowing something. Use that as a moment to be able to teach. You know, don't let it be a moment where you get kind of on your high horse and say, well, this guy needs a lesson. 
don't be doing that. You know, reach out and allow for somebody to learn something for you, from you during these times because it's important to pass these ethics on to other individuals. So what are ways that you can do that? You know, there's a number of different ways. Volunteer. There's always people looking to, that need help at, you know, fishing derbies, at your conservation groups. Um, if you have ever thought of going and volunteering or teaching hunter education courses or even allowing yourself to be a mentor, allow for that those opportunities to happen and allow for those things to be part of your choice to be an ethical hunter, to pass on those things for you as an individual. Now, I know I talked a lot about hunting and I said I was going to talk a lot about hunting, but fishing is the same way. You know, if you have the ability to take somebody out to fish and teach them like, hey, you know, we don't just uh, throw our fish up on the bank and let it sit there in the sun. We don't just, you know, leave our areas looking like shit. Um, we clean up after ourselves. We do ask permission before we start running through a creek or something like that just because we want to get to our favorite fishing hole. You know, all these go into being an ethical outdoorsman. You'll see this, and it's, it's, I've said this before, you know, I used to rock climb a good bit, and one of the things that I always enjoyed about the rock climbing community was everybody kind of looked out for each other. You know, you always were spotting. You always were making sure that nobody was going to fall um, and that you always had somebody there to help you and let you know when, when, the, when the next route would open up or things like that. We need to do that as an outdoor community more. We need to look out for each other. We need to allow for these things for us to be able to be more mindful of one another and help each other out in a healthy way. You know, we've, we're all in this together. You know, one, <laughs> you know, one of my favorite um, things, it's a goofy thing, but there used to be a show called on PBS called The Red Green Show. He would have this party, would always say, he goes, remember, we're all in this together. It's the same way for us. We are all in this together, and we all should be helping each other out learning how to do things. If someone comes to your state from out of state, I, I've mentioned this before. I live in Kentucky. I love to come to Ohio to hunt. Um, but I also live in Kentucky, and people from Ohio love to come to Kentucky to fish and hunt. Welcome them. You know, teach them ethical guidelines and behaviors. You know, don't give them your spots or anything like that. I don't think that's reasonable. Um, I know I wouldn't. <laughs> but, you know, in all reality, allow for the things that are healthy for you to be able to teach somebody you know that being said um we are getting close and i mean close close to the fun time of deer season this is a great 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 thing and i i personally cannot wait you know i know a lot of guys are putting out food plots and a lot of people are planting um they're planting their food plots and put starting to put down corn and trail cameras one last thing that I'll say about this uh, with Fair Chase. Be mindful of what you're doing. You know, do the right thing. You know, be ethical with how you're laying stuff out. You know, don't, you know, screw someone else over just because you want to get something. You know, be mindful of that kind of stuff. Now, that being said, I do want to say one other thing. Kentucky does currently have one season open. Uh, for big game, and that is bear. You do have to be a, um, I believe you have to be a resident to hunt it, and it's for bear chase only. Uh, it's in Bell, Harlan, Letcher, and West County. 
which is Zone 2, East Zone 2, Zone 3, and Wayne. Uh, it's from June 1st to August 31st, and it's currently closed in McCreary, in the McCreary Zone. Uh, the season will end in each zone when the quota is met, and uh, you need to check the fall hunting guide for or the bear page uh, about quotas. So it's been in for a little over a month now, and if, you, if you're able to get out and do it, you know, by all means. It's something that I look forward to doing um, at some point here in the future. It's, it's something I've always wanted to do. The other thing you guys can get out and do, you do need a hunting license and a fishing license, if I am not mistaken. Bullfrog season. I know it sounds kind of weird, but if you ever had frog legs done the right way, they are wonderful. Um, in Kentucky, you have a daily limit from noon to noon is 15. Possession limit is 30. Um, a license is needed. Um, you can do a, a day hunting license or annual hunting license. If you take with a uh, gun or bow and arrow, you can do that. Um, I would suggest using like an air rifle, uh, not like a 12-gauge. A, a day fishing license is needed if you are going to use a pole and a line. And a fishing or hunting license can be used if you're going to gig. So, you know, get out there, find a pond. Um, you know, they're good eating. Uh, if you need to, go on YouTube. There's plenty of videos that show you how to um, get the best part of the meats would meet off of those uh, suckers and, you know, freeze them up and or fry them up right away. Uh, the season came in May 15th and goes until October 31st. And hopefully you're going to be able to get out and go after some frogs. Um, you know, if I if I could find a pond near to me, you know I'd be there. So I said at the earlier part of this we would be doing a giveaway. And the giveaway that we're going to be doing is actually um, a set of some books. And one of the books is Posowitz's Beyond Fair Chase. And the other two books are uh, A Sand County Almanac, which, again... If you are a conservation-minded person, it is required reading in my mind from Aldo Leopold. It's great, even just for reference. And then on the other side of it, it's a little less wordy. We're giving away a copy of the Meat Eater Cookbook. I have worked my way through this thing. I love it. I encourage anybody to get a copy of it, and we're going to be giving away a copy of it. So if you don't have a copy of it or if you want a copy of the other two books, you know, get in on the giveaway that we're going to be putting up probably in the next couple weeks. We'll make a big announcement about it. We'll give you the uh, the ways to enter. There'll be a couple different ways in order to get a couple different entries. And we hope, 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 hope that you'll share, you know, pictures of yourself with the books, information that you've learned from it, and especially all those wonderful food picks that you know come from making awesome wild game. So... This has been Fueled by the Outdoors. I've been your host, Rick Cates, and hopefully Chris joins us next week, and we'll have a couple guests uh, talking about a lot of different things, including archery. So, guys, it's been great talking to you. I'll see you next time. And that will do it for our podcast today. Please remember to subscribe, like, review on all major podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple, Google, TuneIn, CastBox, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. As always, we are available for contact at theeliteoutdoors1 at gmail.com. That is theeliteoutdoors1 at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you next time. Thank you.